Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Breathe it in, U.S. Men's National Team fans. The summer is upon us, and with it, a bevy. Yeah, I said it, a bevy of U.S. Men's National Team fixtures that lays in front of us. We've got the Nations League window immediately followed by the Gold Cup window. The U.S. Men's National Team will be led into the Nations League window by new interim to the interim head coach, B.J. Callahan. B.J. is a former assistant coach with uh, the Philadelphia Union and then a former assistant coach with the U.S. Men's National Team. And now since Anthony Hudson has moved on to Greener Pastures, He's the official interim head coach of the U.S. Men's National. We still uh, we we got a lot of problems, guys. We got a lot of problems. But anyway, BJ has selected a list of 24 players that will take part in the Nations League. This is expected to be uh, the quote unquote A team roster with more of a B team roster being selected for the Gold Cup window. Expected to uh, be pretty heavy on the uh, MLS player side for that Gold Cup roster. Uh, but this Nations League roster is it's pretty damn exciting. I mean, there's a whole list of players on this roster, not the least of which Folair and Balagon, um, who are players that U.S. Men's National Team fans have hoped to see in the A-team for a long time. And on the flip side, the only player who I think is is really a best 11 type player that isn't on this list is probably Tyler Adams. We'll get into more of that as we get through the roster. So who made the roster? Who got snubbed? How are we going to play all that and more on this episode of The Yank Report? What's up? My name is Sam. This is The Yank Report, a show all about all things American soccer. If you're into that, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, sign up for notifications, become a member, all that stuff. Uh, We'll get right into the goalkeepers because we have a few surprises there, Uh, but we'll do that after we hear a word from this week's sponsor. BetOnline is your number one source for all your basketball news, stats, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest match reports for this year's NBA playoffs. BetOnline is your sports intel headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs from basketball, Major League Baseball, NHL, hockey, golf to UFC and boxing. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right now from your home. Get into the action today, so head over to our website and use your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. So interim to the interim manager, BJ Callahan submitted a list of 24 players to take part in the camp leading up to the Nations League. Uh, that list of 24 will be whittled down to 23 uh, to take part in the actual competition. And with that, we have a list of four goalkeepers. So it's it's very much suspected that these four goalkeepers will be trimmed down to three goalkeepers. Uh, we tr- have Drake Callender, Josh Cohen, Matt Turner, and Sean Johnson. So we have some relatively inexperienced keepers uh, in Josh Cohen and Drake Callender whenever it comes to senior team international competition, uh, joining the likes of Matt Turner, who was the number one U.S. keeper um, in the World Cup in 2022, and Sean Johnson, who was the number three keeper and was a fixture uh, with the squad throughout World Cup qualifying in 2022. So we have some, some veteran leadership combined with some new faces to the national team for that goalkeeping position. I think important notes for the goalkeeping position is who's not there. Uh, Zach Steffen is injured. Zach Steffen is going to be um, an interesting player to look at moving forward. The guy who was the incumbent coming into the 2022 cycle, who eventually got usurped by Matt Turner, um, who has kind of fallen on, on hard times as a goalkeeper and has fallen into some uncertain club situations. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him this summer. Um, same thing could be said for Ethan Horvath. 
Uh, Ethan Horvath last season was promoted to the Premier League and then got sent back down on a loan deal uh, to Luton Town, who once again got promoted to the Premier League. I think Ethan Horvath had a big part in that, but it is unlikely at this point that Nottingham is going to keep him around. The expectation is that Ethan Horvath is going to find yet another team for the upcoming 2023 season. Uh, Unsure where that's going to be yet. My guess would probably be it's going to be in the championship again. Uh, It seems like uh, his his level at the moment is a championship side. I don't think he's going to be boosted up to the Premier League, Um, but we'll see. Uh, Who knows what's going to happen. In any case, both Zach Steffen and uh, Ethan Horvath are injured and unable to take part in this competition. At center back, we have Miles Robinson, Chris Richards, Walker Zimmerman, and Austin Trusty. This is an interesting list. This is a, a a younger, powerful, athletic list. Um, I think whenever you look at some of the names, uh, Chris Richards, Miles Robinson, I mean, these are guys that um, have some some speed to them that had that that can do a lot of things physically on the field. Uh, I think the first name that screams out to us all is going to be Chris Richards, a player that has. It feels like he's just been injured for the entire season. We just haven't seen much of him. It was r- the big hope for U.S. Men's National Team fans was that he would be our established number one center back heading into the 2022 World Cup. It just didn't happen that way. Uh, Injuries and uh, moving teams and just a whole bevy of things happened uh, that forced him on the bench and made him end up missing the the World Cup. It's still uh, the big hope that Chris Richards is going to pan out to be this lockdown center back for the U.S. for a number of years. Uh, We'll see. He hasn't had much playing time. He's got some garbage minutes here or there uh, on the tail end of the season for Crystal Palace, but I think there's still a lot of expectation for what this player can be. There's still this hope that he can be this player that is both a physically dominant player um, and a player that can um, elevate the possession side of the game, especially in the buildup for the U.S. Men's National Team. To pair with him will be one of Miles Robinson, Walker Zimmerman, and Austin Trusty. Miles Robinson had a really good showing in uh, World Cup qualifying leading up to the World Cup. He was he was probably going to be on the World Cup roster and probably would have seen significant minutes during the World Cup had it not been for his injury. But since returning, it seems like he's fallen right back into form and, and is still a, a player that, with his physical ability, with his one-on-one defending, uh, he's he's a player that you just have to have him in the U.S. Men's National Team pool at this point. Um, excited to see if he gets the nod next to Chris Richards or if it's uh, Walker Zimmerman, who was the incumbent uh, throughout World Cup qualifying. Not a great World Cup from Walker Zimmerman, but still... He's the elder statesman. He is continually one of the best defenders in MLS. Uh, Just a dominant player in the air, uh, a dominant physical presence. Uh, Really tough World Cup with him distribution-wise, but is that going to be as necessary in these Nations League's window against Mexico? Um, I I don't know. We'll see. We'll see who ends up getting the nod. I have a feeling it's going to be between Miles Robinson and Walker Zimmerman. I wasn't super impressed by Austin Trusty um, in the last window for the U.S. Men's National Team, but He's still a young player and he's getting uh, his real, really his first minutes with the national team. And oftentimes we see players who are getting their debuts and their first few caps with the national team play a bit below their level. Maybe that's the case with uh, Austin Trusty. We'll see. I don't know if he quite has that polish and that top in possession ability that that we all want to see from our center backs moving forward. Uh, but but time only time will tell. Uh, players not on this list are going to be Tim Ream, who is out with a broken arm. Uh, John Brooks just flat out wasn't called in. He was a player that a lot of people got excited about whenever his name was on the preliminary roster. A lot of people are still John Brooks fans and and feel like because he's back to playing in Germany after his long hiatus 
where he had a, a sabbatical in Portugal, basically, and just uh, wasn't seeing a lot of uh, soccer for the better part of like a year and a half. Uh, he's back to playing regularly, and a lot of people want to see him in the squad. He's once again not called in. Uh, Cameron Carter-Vicker is a player that took part in the World Cup, and it is a, lot, a player a lot of people are excited about uh, as, as a potential starter for the U.S. men's national team. Also injured, won't take part in this group. Now we move on to the fullbacks. For the U.S. men's national team, some things never change, and one of those is the tradition of calling in three fullbacks for a U.S. men's national team camp. Those three names will be Serginho Dest, Joe Scali, and Anthony Robinson. Uh, now the big talking point with the fullbacks, of course, is going to be Serginho Dest, his uncertain club situation, his uncertain co- career trajectory. Uh, the latest I've seen is that he he's uh, in talks with teams in the Bundesliga, and he might end up there next season. At the same time, um, still one of the most talented players that we have, especially on the ball, especially in that build-up phase. Um, his talent in the, with the ball at his feet is just unquestionable, um, and, and is still just a, a locked-in starter and a locked-in name on the team sheet for the U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, joining him will be Joe Scally, a player who can play left back and right back, which is uh, very good to have whenever you just don't have a lot of fullbacks that you can call upon. Um, and Anthony Robinson, who has become just uh, the Mr. Reliable for the U.S. men's national team. It seems like he's always available whenever you need him. Uh, question marks are going to be moving f- about fullbacks are, are going to be there moving forward. Um, is Joe Scally finally going to be able to usurp either Anthony Robinson or Serginho Dest and, and become um, a more relied upon member of this group. I think he had some good showings with the U.S. men's national team when we last saw uh, Joe Scally with the USMNT. Uh, Brian Reynolds is a player that I, I I just haven't been super impressed with his moments with the senior team so far, uh, but there are a lot of rumors connecting him with a big move this summer, uh, a player that's played very well with, with, with his current club situation and seems to be on an upward career trajectory. So we'll see if he's a name that could potentially join this list. I think fullbacks is still a really tough situation for the U.S. men's national team um, as far as quality depth and and reliable starters almost. I mean, you're, you're worried about what you're going to get out of Serginho Dest right now. Um, Anthony Robinson is a good player, but we understand what he is and what his ceiling is, and he's not going to be able to uh, play this beautiful game that the U.S. would love to play moving forward. Now we move on to the midfield, and we have Johnny Cardoso, Luca Della Torre, Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, Gio Reyna, and Alan Sonora. Of course, Tyler Adams got injured earlier this season for Leeds, and his absence from that Leeds midfield is a, probably a big reason why Leeds uh, got relegated. It's probably also a big reason why Weston McKinney just was never able to uh, gain the traction that we hoped he could in, in that Leeds midfield because Tyler Adams provides so much stability defensively that it allows players in the attack to take a lot of chances. And uh, for a player like Weston, who is kind of a boomer bust player where he goes big and sometimes... Uh, that ends up being a game-breaking moment, but that also ends up being turnovers a lot of the time as well. Not having that reliable player um, next to you in that midfield to regain possession whenever you lose it, it's devastating. So I am curious about how the U.S. men's national team will play moving forward without Tyler Adams in there. It seems like, judging by the players that are called in, that the U.S. is going to go with a double pivot in the midfield and have a more uh, attacking player in that number 10 position in in the midfield. Uh, Johnny Cardoso is a player everyone always gets excited about, a player that has been linked to a move to Europe, it seems like, for like 25 years now. I just always hear that rumor. Uh, Luca De La Torre is a fan favorite, uh, a player that's, I guess he's had an up and down year at Celta Vigo. Um, a, a player that 
I, I feel like I feel like he's a player that uh, whenever I look at the fan base, like a lot of fans really feel like he's one of the core members of the team. Like he, he's on that level with Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams and Christian Pulisic. I don't see that yet. I feel like he's still a player that's kind of vying for his position in this team and still kind of figuring out what his role is because it feels like he doesn't really have a, a defined role. I, I don't know. I'm still I'm still waiting to uh, figure out really where Luca Della Torre really shines with this team uh, moving forward. I think whenever we're playing against competition that uh, we're far superior than and we have a lot of the ball, then he really has an opportunity to shine. But whenever we're playing against teams that we got to get a little bit more dug in against, I just don't know. I, I'm, I'm curious about where he fits. I think... I think he has quality that he's he deserves to be called into the roster again and again and again. But I don't know if he's quite in that core group of players um, at the moment. I, I mean, we'll, we'll see moving forward. Weston McKinney coming off of a really difficult year uh, for Leeds. I mean, they ran him out of town at the end of the season. He, he took a lot of, of abuse that he probably didn't deserve. But I think that that's, that's just life for Americans in Europe. Uh, if your team is not doing well, you're going to have a target on your back. Uh, especially a player coming from a club like Juventus. Uh, so interested to see what Weston McKinney's headspace is, and hopefully he can be that dynamic game-breaking player um, that is just the emotional, spiritual, physical leader on the field for this team. My guess is the top two midfielders that we'll see lined up are going to be Wes McKinney and Yunus Musa. Yunus Musa, another player with a do had a difficult year for his club team. I mean, we all projected Yunus Musa to the moon following the World Cup, thinking that, of course, he was going to have a breakout season for Valencia and end up, you know, being this big summer transfer uh, for big money for this this top five league team, uh, whatever. But it, it just hasn't played out that way. Eunice has had an up and down season, but it seems like every time he puts on the red, white and blue, he, he really performs well. It seems like he fits really well in this group. So hopefully that continues. Gio Reyna, uh, a player that just... Uh, for Borussia Dortmund, I mean, another. let's add it to the list of players who just didn't quite have the season that we were hoping that he would have. Uh, Gio Reyna just didn't see that many minutes down the stretch. And of course, his Borussia Dortmund team uh, tragically lost their opportunity to win the league on the last day. A another tragic event in the series of tragic events that has been Gio Reyna's young pro career. Um, is this the time whenever the U.S. really starts to become Gio's team and really starts to rely on Gio as the uh, central creative force in the midfield. If I had to bet right now, I would say Gio is going to start in the 10 position against Mexico. Um, and, and I think that's a really exciting thing for all the U S men's national team fans to see. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully we get to Gio gets to fulfill that promise that so many have set for him since, I mean, he was 16 years old. Now, when we come to the wingers, we have an exciting group here. We have Brennan Aronson, Taylor Booth, Christian Pulisic, Tim Weah, and Alejandro Zendejas. So let's start with Brennan Aronson. And, and this is another name uh, the, of a player that just had sort of a disappointing season with their club squad. Um, he He's a player, if you recall, he came into Leeds on a big contract. And I think there was a lot of expectations for what he could be. And I think it's fair to say that he hasn't quite lived up to his transfer fee at this point. Um, he's a player with a ton of energy. He's a player that will press relentlessly and, and a player that one of those big moments do happen. You, you look at him and you're like, man, this player is so good. There's certain game states that he, he looks like he's the best player on the field. But then there's other game states where you just don't get much out of out of him at all. Whenever the, the game is a little bit slower, whenever the opposition is dug in, whenever he's asked to take players on that are 
uh, backed into their box and where he's not able to run in the open field as much, uh, not as much transition. You just don't get a whole lot out of Brendan Aronson. Um, though, I mean, curious to see where, where he ends. He's, he's at such an interesting point in his career um, with leads going down. Uh, an article just came out by Tom Bogard uh, talking about uh, Brendan Aronson's release clause because of the relegation, the relegation release clause. So there is some uncertainty about whether or not Brendan Aronson will end up in the championship next season with leads. If he does get that opportunity to move, where's the destination for Brendan Aronson? Is it another Premier League team? I don't know. Um, it, I, I don't think that Leeds will be able to recruit that transfer fee that uh, they, they paid for Brendan already. Um, interesting, interesting discussion regarding Brendan right now. Uh, Taylor Booth is a player uh, probably on the on, on a different side of that. He's more on the upper trajectory right now, uh, coming off of a, a really good season, a season that saw him get his uh, U.S. Men's National Team de- debut. Uh, excited to see him on this list. I mean, we've seen some up and down things from Taylor Booth. I remember last window when Christian Pulisic talked about his fantastic delivery and Booth came out and just booted uh, a million balls into the box. Uh, we'll see if he can dial it in in this window. Uh, still, I mean, between the, I, I look at players like uh, Booth and Zendejas who were kind of on that same level of uh, of just not quite on the level of, of the top end guys like Pulisic and Wea and, and, and Gio Reyna, uh, but maybe better than the guys who were they were they're replacing uh, guys like Jordan Morris and um, and, and Paul Ariola. Uh, so I, I think they're an improvement to that floor, uh, but not quite pushing that ceiling of our top end guys. Um, I, I do think Booth and Zendejas are kind of vying against each other for. Um, I, I guess that that fourth or fifth winger position. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens with that um, that that positional battle. Christian Pulisic, uh, of course, the the talisman, the guy, um, our star. Uh, tough season for Christian Pulisic. Did not see a lot of minutes on, on the tail end um, of Chelsea's season. Another season that I mean, just marred by injuries at the wrong time, and just was never able to get it going. Um, then Chelsea has the huge influx of players and, and Christian sort of gets lost in the shuffle. Um, probably going to be heading for uh, a different club next season. Uh, will it be a Premier League team? There's sources connecting him to teams in Italy. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. Either way, Christian, you, you just don't really worry about him at this point. I feel like um, he really straps it on for U.S. Men's National Team games. I feel like at this point, this team has enough quality that we don't need Christian to be Superman every single game. Um, but, you know, the, the first name on the team sheet for the U.S. Men's National Team. Tim Weah returns. Uh, Tim Weah is a player that I feel like we really missed in that last window. Uh, so far, I've just not seen another player be as effective in that right wing position as Tim Weah. He offers that verticality, those runs in behind, that speed. But he also contributes a lot of uh, assists for the U.S. Men's National Team. His ability to get to that right touch line. And and bring balls back into the uh, the penalty spot area is is a way that the U.S. has scored a lot of goals in the past, and, and he just creates havoc in that area. His relationship with Sergio Dest has proven to be really strong for the U.S. Men's National Team. Um, so happy to see him back. He's been playing a lot of uh, right back and left back for his team at Lille. Uh, so good to see Waya back. Now let's move on to the strikers. So for the strikers, we have the all-hype team. We have the two players who I think are the most popular team in the fan base right now. That is Ricardo Pepe and Fularin Balogun. Uh, Balogun, of course, is going to garner all the headlines. The big-time uh, get for the U.S. men's national team. The guy who was looked at to be the answer to the striker situation. The guy who um, had a great season in France. 
a guy who at his, I believe he's 21 years old right now and just seems to have the whole world in front of him. A player that is likely to have a big move this summer to a big club. Uh, a player projected to be, you know, one of the top strikers in the world um, in, in the coming years. The thing about Balogun, though, is even if he doesn't really get there, even if he just stays kind of where he is right now, he's still an upgrade to the U.S. Men's National Team striker position right now. A position that was in dire need of somebody to step up uh, for a long time. And, and he really answers a lot of questions for us. I'm really excited to see what he looks like in this lineup, how his dynamism and his ability to get in behind the defense affects everything else for the U.S. How it Does it give more space to Pulisic and Weya on the wings? Does it give more space to the midfielders? Does it take pressure off the U.S. Um, having to just slowly build up everywhere? Does what, what does having such a threat at that number nine position do for the rest of the squad? I'm super curious to see. Um, really excited to see what, what Balogun looks like at that number nine spot. Now, Ricardo Pepe is probably probably the fan favorite player of players who aren't Pulisic or McKinney or Tyler Adams right now. I mean, everybody's talking about Ricardo Pepe. Um, everybody's talking about this. Uh, it sounds like he's going to end up at one of the top teams in the Eredivisie next season. He had a pretty good season for Groningen, scoring a bunch of goals uh, for a side that just wasn't very good. Um, the player that I, I think everybody loves his story. Everybody was disappointed that he wasn't called into the World Cup. Everybody wants to see this redemption story to the point where I'm even seeing people suggest that the U.S. plays two strikers. Or I even saw this thread on Reddit that was like. Uh, unpopular opinion Ricardo Pepe should start in the Nations League and I just laughed because it's like unpopular Ricardo Pepe is like the most popular player we have like there's a super popular opinion everybody wants to see this kid play um though I think to be fair I I I don't think that Pepe is on Balogun's level right now and I, I think I'm not just pointing out Pepe. I don't think any of the strikers that we have are on Balogun's level right now. Uh, that includes Josh Sargent, Jesus Ferreira, uh, Jordan Pifak, uh, Haji Wright, uh, Brandon Vasquez, just the whole Daryl DK, the whole list of guys. I don't think that we have anybody that's going to be able to play with the quality and the speed and the dynamism um, of Balogun at the moment. So I think whoever it is is, is going to be that number two. So what does Pepe do in that number two spot? Um, what is he? How does he approach it mentally? Is he going to be able to come into games late in the game and, and really provide that um, that thrust to to change the game? I think we saw in the last window, Ricardo Pepe came into a game as a substitute, made a great run in behind, and scored a goal uh, pretty much right away. Is he going to be able to bring that that energy to the U.S. moving forward? How does he fit in? Um, going to be interesting to see. I, I think if, if there's one guy who who could have been on this team. Uh, that isn't it's probably Josh Sargent I mean outside of Tyler Adams Josh Sargent has a pretty good claim to that number two striker spot he's out injured so he wasn't available for this group Uh, but he led Norwich in goals this season with 13 in the championship I mean he had a big season I I don't know that Josh Josh Sargent is ever quite going to live up to uh, that player who was at one time one of the best striker prospects in the world uh, coming out of the U.S. Men's National Team U setup but I think he he sets a strong floor and he's a quality player and he has a um, he, he does a lot of things physically and he gets after it in the press and he brings a big engine. Uh, so he's a player that that Ricardo Pepe is just going to have to overcome. Does Pepe have the ability to overcome that player in the future? Uh, it seems like it. It seems like there's and he's going to have a lot of opportunity to score goals if he gets that move to uh, one of those top teams in the Aris Division next year. Uh, but I, I don't think that. I don't think that it's it's necessarily set in stone right now that Pepe and Balogun are the two guys for the future as we look at the next 
decade of the U.S. men's national team. I, I think that some of these other guys are still very much in the conversation. Um, I, I think I'm pulling for Pepe, though, because you just love his story. You love where he came from. You love his attitude. You love the way that he's he's taking chances and, and really um, just come back from a really difficult spot whenever he was down in the dumps at Augsburg. I think we're all pulling for him, uh, but I, I think we need to count our chickens if we're acting like Pepe is on Balogun's level at this moment. So that's the 24 players that will take part in the Nations League window. Of course, it's going to be cut down to 23 players, but there's 24 players on this list. I think the biggest storylines coming into this tournament, I think number one are going to be Foyler and Balogun and his what he does to this striker position, how he transforms this team, a team that's been missing a goal scorer for a long time. Um, I, I think number two is going to be uh, BJ Callahan and and what he looks like, what his tenure looks like for the U.S. men's national team. Um, there's been a lot of criticism of the Federation for their handling of the coaching hire, uh, which is very reminiscent to when Greg Berhalter was hired. That, that also took forever. Um, there's a lot of rumors being thrown around about um, U.S. soccer waiting for the summer because uh, the European season will be over. Over and it'll be an opportunity to sign European coaches. There's rumors about Jesse Marsh and a release clause and waiting for that to end. Um, I, I think ultimately, I always say that I think we overrate the importance of a national team coach. I think this roster is perfectly capable of going out there um, and, and winning the Nations League again. I mean, we could win the Nations League and the Gold Cup again with, with BJ Callahan, and um, we, we have the talent to do it. And, and if you ask me right now, like what would make a bigger impact on this group um, having a dedicated head coach that's, uh, I don't know, throw names out there, whoever you feel like it should be, Jesse Marsh, Thierry Henry, whoever, um, versus having a healthy Tyler Adams in the midfield, I would take Tyler Adams. I think Tyler Adams would have a bigger impact on this squad and their ability to win these tournaments uh, because he's a player that just shuts things down and just provides so much in the midfield. Hey, we got the 2026 World Cup to look forward to, so we're going to need a coach at some point. I'm not as concerned because there's no World Cup qualifying this year. We don't need to really get going for that. We don't need to plan for that. Uh, the U.S. has a lot of opportunity to um, to get a, get in a new coach, install a new system, get everybody on the same page uh, before the 2026 World Cup. I think one of the dumbest things that we see over and over again in sports is this rush to hire a new head coach whenever a team fires their old head coach and they end up getting someone in that doesn't fit. They overpay for them. Um, in the case of club teams, they often go out and purchase all these players for the new head coach and it doesn't go well after a few weeks and that coach is gone and all his new players uh, end up leaving too. And it's just a, it's a big financial mess for the clubs. Um, I would rather see the right guy get hired than, um, than, than, a rush to hire somebody who ends up being the wrong guy. Uh, but who knows if it's the right guy or the wrong guy. I mean, uh, once again, I feel like we really overrate the importance of coaches um, and their impact on, on wins and losses, especially uh, for international competition where you have this rotating cast of players. You have such a short window for them to instill any type of system or any type of, any type of way of playing or anything like that. And in the international game, you have these short knockout competitions where, it, you know, just anybody can beat anybody on any given day. And sometimes the ball rolls your way and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, so it just I think a great coach might be able to help you in the long run, maybe. But in these short terms, I just don't I don't see it as like this super, super, super important thing. I don't see it as a thing that's going to elevate the U.S. men's national team above the quality of their players. I think our our ceiling is always going to be set by 
the quality of our players and and luck, honestly, uh, the roll of the dice in the World Cup. That being said, good luck, BJ. I, I, we're pulling for you. We support you. Good luck, buddy. Uh, bring us home two trophies. That's sort of the bar that we set. That's the standard. We were the U.S. men's national team, and we win absolutely everything. Guys, thank you so much for watching. Let me know what you think about this roster in the comment section. Who are you excited to see? Uh, what do you think is going to... How do you think the Balogun is going to affect uh, the way that the U.S. men's national team plays? What do you think about the whole uh, interim to the interim head coach situation? I know a lot of you disagree with me about the importance of a head coach. I know I'm going to get a lot of comments about, hey, uh, this team was bad and then they hired a new head coach and suddenly they're good and this is the proof that coaches affect things. I, I've seen, yeah, I know, I know, guys. Let me know in the comment section. I've got some other videos that I'm working on that I've been writing scripts for that's I've been uh, putting a lot of time into this script, so I'm excited to, to bring these to you. I think it's going to be a series of videos kind of about the, uh, the business of soccer and kind of the changing uh, world of soccer over the last 10 years, so I'm excited to bring those to you, hopefully, very soon. Uh, thank you guys so much for watching. If you want the Yank Report in podcast form, you can find it anywhere that podcasts or podcasts did. Guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you for liking. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you guys so much for watching the Balogun video. I took a big break and, and came back and a ton of people watched the Balogun video. So thank you guys so much. Thank you to the members who just helped me keep this thing going. Manuel Alivetis, Matthew Doyle, Matthew Hanna, Michael Baker, Dan McVeigh, Mike Irish, Aaron M, Expats Everywhere, and Adam Silva. Please consider becoming a member, supporting the channel. Guys, thank you so much for watching. My name is Sam, and this is the Yank Report brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.